Hi there. So Bridget and I are taking off a couple of weeks for family time and to start research and interviews for a new year of new episodes. Please enjoy this rebroadcast from our archives, and we'll see you in January. Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. This episode is posting on New Year's Day. So we wanted to start with some extracts from the NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness article, titled Realistic New Year's Resolutions, Living with Depression. In it, the authors note that this time of year, there's a lot of pressure to start over or commit to being a new and better version of yourself. Both of these might sound super great to those of us (laughs) with depression, but we also know that that's not always possible. Instead, NAMI reminds us, that we really only need to try a little bit harder than where we already are. That's all we can do, right? Is mm-hmm. just sort of try to do a little bit better, try to do a little bit better, try and try and try and do a little <laughs> better. Their suggestions for moving in this direction include? Well, exercise, of course. Research, ah! I know, I don't like it either, but it, research does repeatedly confirm that it's good for people living with depression. It is hard when you experience a lack of motivation, loss of energy, and the physical aches and pains that often accompany depression. So NAMI recommends instead of an aggressive new workout routine or gym membership, start slowly by incorporating more daily walks into our schedule, which can also help ease depression symptoms. Yeah, and the walks, you get vitamin D and you get movement and you get sunshine and you see pretty stuff and you're out in nature, which helps anyway. So Mm -hmm. I have another suggestion that's really working well for me, Terry, and I'm hoping you'll join me in the new year. And it's Dr. Zach Bush's four-minute workout. You can Google it. And I am thrilled to announce that he has agreed to let me interview him in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for more. Cool. Depression pretty much snuffs out the joy of things we once enjoyed. Hobbies that we once considered fun can seem like an awful lot of work. Mm -hmm. But the article suggests that we try again, that we push ourselves out of our comfort zones and reconnect with a fulfilling and enjoyable hobby or try something new. Mm -hmm. And trying something new can reboot our brain in a different way. Mm -hmm. And this suggestion, which we can really get behind, be nicer to yourself and others. Quoting, Uh (laughs) when you're in a depressive episode, it's really easy to shut off from the world, to curl up in bed or on the couch and just forget about everyone and everything. And sometimes we need to do that for our own well-being when we're feeling emotionally drained. But when it comes to a pattern, when it becomes a pattern, we can get detached and a bit uncaring toward those around us. It's been proven that helping others actually helps you. So as insurmountable as it seems to put others' needs before your own when you're depressed, try it in small doses. And one last realistic resolution suggestion from NAMI's list that we advocate in each episode is communicate your needs more openly. With depression, it's essential to have a support system in place. 
to identify the people in your life that you think you can trust. And if you haven't shared your diagnosis with them, it may be helpful to do so. Then you can put into practice communicating your needs. Perhaps try writing down a list of what they can do to help you in certain scenarios. Walk them through those needs so that it's easier for them to support you. So that is our nod to resolutions. Keep them realistic to avoid making yourself feel worse. And remember that any small step, both literal or figurative, counts as progress. It sure does. Instead of resolutions, we've chosen to make this New Year's episode about hope. A few weeks ago, we read a message on Twitter that really stuck with us. In it, a young woman stopped during a magical moment to tweet to her 14-year-old suicidal self that the fight was worth it. And we wondered what else she had learned that she'd want to share with her younger self or with anyone stuck in the darkness. So we asked her. Charlotte Underwood joins us today from London to give her voice to depression and her hard-fought lessons of hope to anyone who needs to hear them. So start by telling me about your younger self, please. It was very difficult to go through because I had no idea that I had mental illness. I had no idea that my hypochondria was actually anxiety and I had no idea that my bad feelings were depression. I was just in so much pain at that age. I felt like I had no real friends. I was bullied at school. I didn't have a good home life. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't feel that there was a reason for me to stay. I remember how many nights I just screamed into a pillow and punched walls and did the most uh, terrifying drawings and bits of work which were quite morbid and I sort of, I guess, became my depression because I didn't understand anything else. And I think that was when I was at my worst that age. So at 14, how did you envision your future? Did you envision a future? I think I was going to either end up dead before I was 20, either by lifestyle choices or my means, or I thought I would end up with a, I don't know to say that something nasty, but a very dead-end life, you know, and you just sort of given up and you don't, work towards anything in the future you just sort of exist and that's sort of what I expected. It may be easier to understand that mindset when you learn that on her website Charlotte describes herself as a survivor of alcoholism, sexual assault, rape, self-harm and a constant chain of trauma and mental illness. But we're here to talk about Charlotte's present. Now 23 she's living a life she didn't dream possible. Of course, it's not a dream, so she still battles mental illness daily. But listen as she describes the life she's creating. I'm definitely not the place I want to be yet, but I'm in a much better place. Um, I am married to a man who gives me so much respect and genuine love that I've been searching for a long time and I never thought I deserved. But I found him even when I thought I would never find that. Mm. I have a dog who, or she's my soulmate, and I know that sounds weird, but (laughs) I would be lost without her. I would be. I'm in my own place. I'm out of toxic environments. I'm helping other people. I'm content, I think. I'm not quite ready to say I'm happy, but I think I'm content. Mm. And when you tweeted you were literally baking cookies and dancing in Mm. your kitchen, tell me about that night 
And, and what? And tell me about the thought process that made you stop and write that because it was beautiful. <laughs> Um, my husband works quite long shifts and he works between two jobs because I'm still quite ill and I can't quite work yet. Um, so he supports me. We don't get, get much time together. And sometimes he offers to bake me cookies when I'm feeling particularly depressed. Mm-hmm. And this time I just had this urge to just be with him and do something like that. And I did. And we just started baking and getting creative what we had in the kitchen and then all of a sudden I'm putting on Christmas songs and he's starting to dance with me which isn't something we normally do but he just does and it's so perfect because it's unexpected and I just felt like wow you know I this is stuff that happens in movies it doesn't happen to people like me but here it has happened and it was great because I felt very safe in my relationship, safe in my home, and I had delicious gingerbread cookies to eat, so it was pretty great. Oh, can you picture that scene? Basking in feelings of being loved, protected, safe, supported, warm, dancing, and gingerbread. So from that place, albeit weeks later now, we asked Charlotte to look back at those dark and confusing teen years to share more of what she's learned since. We asked what she wishes her younger self had known about a number of things, starting with depression itself. I think, firstly, it'd be nice to know that it's a lot more common and that it's definitely not me alone and it's not me being this failure or horrible person I thought. It'd be nice to have known that my emotions were just a response from what I'd been through and that it wasn't my body just hurting me it was trying to protect me in its own messed up way um be nice to know what options I had what tools were out there and just to know that there were people out there that I could talk to and just help me figure out what I needed and about her personal strength and capacity for resilience that version of me she had no idea how strong she was after that age, I went through much traumatic things and it got worse, but I always found my feet. I always got through it. I always found a way to start again or find a different path. And I didn't even realise I was doing it. I just made it happen. And that's a strength that I have that isn't forced, isn't something I've learned. It's just something that's in me. And I think it had been reassuring for me at 14 to know that I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. Ah, that one hit home. A lot of us are so much stronger than we think, and certainly stronger than depression makes us believe. And speaking of things depression makes seem impossible, we asked what Charlotte wishes she had known about the willingness of friends and family to listen and support her in painful times. I think I used the example of when I was self-harming and I kept it so secret because I was so ashamed and it felt like I was a monster and I was trying to disguise this monster body under my clothes and I was so terrified of anyone finding out. But at one point, my dad walked in when I was having a relapse and he just sat in front of me and he said, well, are you being safe? And is there anything I can do? Do you want to talk about it? He wasn't quizzing me. He wasn't pressuring me. He just 
sat and listened and then he said just be safe for me and please I don't want to lose you so just be safe I mean, he didn't ask me to stop just to be safe and that alone was an impact on me then he went out and he bought me some special oil and said just in case um, you want to heal the scars it's an option for you and his level of empathy there I realised that I'd spent the last three, four years hiding alone when I could have had this big support system and huge outlet to have helped me along the way. And my own self-stigma prevented that. It wasn't only self-harming she hid. Like many of us, Charlotte also kept her depression a secret. I think at that age I was still struggling a lot, so I wasn't as open as I am now. And it did take me until I was about 21 to actually be open about it. But I did find that my dad was always very understanding when... You know when you're struggling and you don't say it, but you start crying over things like the dishwasher. And... uh, He started to realise that I needed just an extra bit of support, maybe some ice cream and a hug or to watch a movie together. And that was the kind of support I needed. It didn't need to be a lecture or an interrogation. It was just being present and giving me the option to talk if I wanted to. And you did not understand that was available to you at that age, I assume? I didn't. I was convinced that I would always be rejected if I spoke about it. Another of depression's convincing lies is that you really are all alone in your struggle. I think I just wish I knew that it's likely that there will be people that exist who will judge you and who may hurt your feelings. But there's a lot more people, the ones who actually love you, the ones who care for you, even people who live miles away and just empathise These people can give you so much more love and support and they can alone be this vital outlet that can really become vital for crisis and it's not being afraid of reaching out to people because you never know if that person is going to be the one to possibly save your life. Next, we asked what she wished she'd known about the effectiveness of available treatments. I think it's important to know that there are more than one type. No one spoke to me about short-term therapy or the different types of long-term therapy. No one spoke to me about things I could do at home or things I can do in groups and the resources both online and offline and how, you know, one thing may not work for you, but another thing will. And I mainly recover through self-care in my own routines, um, which is what I found useful. That's not to say it's been easy, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely been worth that discovery and it's been worth learning what I need um, and accepting and allowing myself to have that support and help. And lastly, what she wishes her 14-year-old self had known about a future worth fighting for. I think when you're suffering with depression or other mental illness, you can tend to you tend to see a one-sided future and I definitely did and I I sort of decided that I wasn't worthy and that it wasn't going to happen to me and that 
that's how it is and there's no other way I didn't give myself the chance to think that as much as there's a chance it may go wrong there's also a good chance it will go right and it's just reminding myself that not everything's going to be going well for you in the future but at the same time a lot of things will be great and they'll become these amazing memories and it's it's all worth it and that's all I can say it's it's The good memories completely outweigh the bad ones. So, for every teenager or any other aged person out there who's battling something you really don't understand and maybe haven't even named, who believes the way you feel now is the way you will always feel, please listen to Charlotte, who has been there too. Please. Well, first of all, it's not your fault, and it never was. You are not a monster. You are not a problem or a failure. You are a human with feelings, and we all have feelings, um, and yours are just as valid as everyone else's. You deserve a good future. You deserve support and help and love and all those things that you dream of. And as corny as it sounds, they can happen. And sometimes you just need to... Sometimes you just need to give them the chance. Sometimes it's just igniting that little flame that's inside of you and keeping it alive and things do follow that are absolutely wonderful. Um, And I'm glad that I didn't do it, certainly, because I've met my husband and seen my brother do wonderful things and it's... I've, I've benefited from staying alive. I think the most important thing to remember is that you are not alone and it it's such an overuse saying but it's for a reason and you know I always thought that I was the one person in the world that had these feelings and no one else could possibly understand but there are so many people out there who can relate and they're willing to help and support you and you know sometimes you just need to look or do a quick google search or you know talk to a friend and remember that never forget that you're not alone you're truly not you're truly not yeah it's so so easy to believe when you're in it but it's you know as she said it's just whether it's somebody in your actual physical life or somebody online you know there's there's always somebody who will listen and understand mm-hmm So we also wanted to just share a quote we saw this morning on Twitter, since that's where we found Charlotte's. And this was from Emily McDowell. And it said, a toast to the old you. If you feel inspired to use the new year to help you reset or change your habits, great. And yet, the old you has survived every terrible day, every hard thing, every awful circumstance, and every heartbreak you've ever felt. The old you is a fighter, and that's worth celebrating. Mm. So we wish you a happy new year and we thank you for listening and we will be back next week with another episode. And I got to close out 2018 with a Winnie the Pooh quote, Terry. <laughs> it's by my back door and it's from our mom. And she says, always remember that you're braver than you believe, smarter than you seem and stronger than you think. Mm. That's sweet. How come she didn't give me one? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so empowered, you don't need it. <laughs> That's a nice, nice spin. I love you, Bridget, and happy new year. Bye.
We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.